0: Welcome everybody to the New Best Practices, a podcast about the process of creating software. I'm your host, Ross Hunter. I'm joined by Jace Browning and Jason Sitch. Today we're going to talk about learning and teaching Git.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, so this month is Hacktoberfest, which you don't, if you don't know, is a promotion by DigitalOcean and GitHub to encourage people to contribute to open source by opening PRs. All you have to do is open 5prs on pre-existing open source repositories using git and github which is what we're going to talk about this episode you know there's lots of version control systems but we're going to talk about git because that's what we use and would prefer to use and there's lots of hosting options for git but we're going to talk about github because again that's what we tend to prefer to use but what I've discovered in working with people for Hacktoberfest is that it's really hard to teach somebody how to create a pull request. So how about you both try to teach me how to, use, how to create a pull request?
2: I guess I better start at what is a pull request?
1: All right, yeah, yeah. I mean, what is a pull request?
2: So pull request is a request um, to maybe code maintainers uh, for a set of changes to code them to accept them into their code base but sound
0: yeah sometimes they're you know referred to as a merge request um but yeah the the github lingo is is pull request um you know it's, it's a patch really um you know that was You know, the origins of Git are, you know, Linus trying to handle a bunch of patches being emailed to him on, you know, the the Linux uh, mailing list. So um, it's really just the evolution of of that idea of a set of changes that should uh, be accepted into a code base.
1: So how do I make one of these pull requests?
2: I guess the weird thing is, is a pull request is specific to GitHub. So you need a GitHub account. You have to know what GitHub is, I guess, for that. So.
1: Alright, so I've done that. I made a GitHub account.
2: Someone told Uh, you. Go do this thing. I
1: did it because somebody told me to. And I even found a, I found a project that sounds interesting and they, one of their issues is labeled Hacktoberfest. Help wanted. So. I'm going to work on this one. Uh, what do I do?
2: So you need to get the code, the original code. So you're going to take a copy of their code, modify it, and then you're going to ask them to take those modifications back to their code, right? It's the process, the high-level process, right? So you'd have to explain to them how to get their code down to their computer, which would involve probably using um, like GitHub Desktop or something would be, Like an easy tool, right? To say, like, I want this repository, code repository on my local machine.
1: That is, yeah, that is the approach I took, which I decided on the fly when I realized, like, I don't know what to tell them to do. (laughs) Um, You know, they've never used any of these things. But there is a button on GitHub that says, like, clone this. And that does say open in GitHub desktop. So that seemed reasonable. Except... You can't you can't just clone it, because if you clone it, you're not going to be able to make a pull request.
2: Fair enough. So you need to branch, or not uh, branch? Oh, you need to fork. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now yeah. try
1: to explain explain to me the difference between forking, <laughs> cloning, and branching.
0: No, <laughs> I don't so, want to. So so yeah,
1: it, it it got yeah. I realized quickly like I had to like get out of sketching app on my ipad and start drawing pictures now so like what is the right thing to do just just tell somebody click this do this type this click this type this type this type this click this pull that all right you made a pull request or does somebody need the the conceptual knowledge to know exactly what they're doing because i don't think i had that conceptual knowledge for like years i think i i think i was writing code good like usable code for business getting paid for several years before I had any conceptual understanding of version control.
2: It depends on what you're gonna do with your life. Are you gonna be creating a lot of pull requests? Then maybe you wanna learn a little bit more about it, right?
1: It seems though, like in 2018, if you wanna get into code for the first time, you know, from boot camps and, you know, workshops and all sorts of things, you kind of do need to know those things, right?
2: Uh, Would there be value value in an abstraction around that? Because I'm thinking about also what happens when you need to pull changes from upstream uh, when you fork and you need that into your, like, how do you explain that to someone? Like, what does that mean?
0: So I think that forking is pretty advanced and not something that I would want a first time uh, Git user to have to mess with um it's something i have to google every time that i want to like create a pr against the base branch and and stuff like that I, I i do think that the basic git stuff of uh branching and merging that 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 really is more important um and it's kind of tricky because this hacktoberfest thing and this idea of contributing to open source really does involve this like extra layer of github specific forking things um so that seems like that's definitely a stumbling block and i would want to get people just getting down the code and making changes and getting code back into their um into their own repo first uh maybe as like a step one um, and getting that code into the uh you know onto a proper fork and being able to merge back into the um, the upstream i think that that's still acceptable to just be like yeah click here click here do this do this like you don't necessarily need to understand all of the intricacies of that
2: it seems like you have to explain a lot of concepts though to get them to that point would <clears throat> it could it be possible through the web ui entirely to fork modified code even you know like they have editors basic editors and to generate pull requests back without ever downloading anything locally especially for the type of issues they'd probably be working on
1: it is and that and for a few people that's what i showed them is and and that's what i've kind of recommended is if you can just go find a typo in some prose somewhere through, through github's ui you can click edit make a change Preview your change, and then as soon as you go to commit it, it will on your behalf fork the repository, make a branch, submit a PR back to the maintainer um, and and I kind of feel like that will be github's end game is that you will be able to code in the in your web browser. you will be able to do essentially everything you would do on your machine and the idea of uh, forking and branching will be completely abstracted away. I think that's where we'll end up, but it's certainly not where we are today.
2: So obviously, this is a mess. What, what do you have any other takeaways from uh, helping people do this? Then,
1: uh, it's well, okay. So there's once you get, you know, I, you know, you tell people click this, do that, do that. There's a lot of crossover too. Is even if you're using some sort of abstraction for Git, like GitHub Desktop. Um, you st- you're always gonna have to go down to the command line because there was a, there was a case where somebody okay they made one change cool, and then I left them alone to make the second change and of course they made this that change in the same branch, uh so like they pushed that up and then we had to go down to the command line to kind of like pull those commits back and make a new branch and uh push and make a new PR, it's yeah I I. I support the the motivations of hacktoberfest but there's so many barriers in the way around git and github and in learning the the process there that they they could probably be doing a better job of teaching it
0: i do think that stuff is really valuable though um i i would rather have somebody who understands how github and git and everything works and You know, they can't invert a binary tree um, versus, you know, someone who writes really clever code um, but doesn't doesn't create separate branches, doesn't create, um, you know, meaningful commit messages and stuff like that. So I do think that it is it is stuff that is really valuable to know. It's just unfortunate that it is tricky and it might hurt your motivation if this is something you're trying to get into. And you are banging your head against Git, and that is frustrating you. That's really unfortunate, um, but I, it is definitely worth learning and and really valuable.
1: Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> but as I'm teaching these people, I, I at no point was I like oh, that's not a great branch name, or you know a commit message should really be in the imperative sense. Like I mean, I let them just bang on the keyboard for a branch name for a commit name. For a PR description, for the PR body description, the commit body description, because to try to say that there's a that any of these matter as you're learning, uh, it could be really discouraging. And and then the other thing I was wanted to mention though is, you know, we, we were talking about the, the the requiring you to fork the repository that has nothing to do with work. So so it almost like the open source flow. There are steps involved that you will never have to do if you are working as a software developer.
2: If you think about the concepts, like, <clears throat> there's no, there's no, like, affordances there. There's nothing that, like, helps new people. that have never, you know, looked at the terms of repository branches, merges, stuff like that. Like, it makes this gibberish, right? There's nothing... Comparable to the real world, like it's just this abstraction that we have, and we understand as developers because we spent the time to do it. Um, yeah, so it seems it's a pretty high bar to ask people to like, hey, come in here and do some. We, we want you to do work, but you have to understand all this stuff to be able to all these concepts, really to be effective or, or do stuff in it. Because we don't really have tooling to help you get around it at all either. It's, it seems like a, a sucky situation but maybe a necessary barrier to entry at the same time (laughs) yeah
0: i i do believe that there is a period at the beginning of uh your journey into writing code where git shouldn't be the first thing that you do um i do think it should follow very shortly after that because it does provide you so much power and it is so uh it's so freeing. It's a safety net. It lets you go ahead and write as much code as, um, you know, try new things and all that. So I do believe it is good to introduce relatively early. Um, but, yeah, if you were to say, like, oh, you want to write some software? Cool, come over here, sit down on the computer. So here's how you fork a repo. Um, you know, I, I think that is probably a mistake. Um, but maybe, like, uh, you know... I Jace, you're dealing with uh, like volunteers for like civic um, hacking, right? Like, so when, um, when do you talk to those people? When do those people get involved in Git?
1: Well, I, I would say, I, ideally, you want somebody to discover the problem on their own and then start looking for a solution. And then you tell them, hey, we already know how to do this. Like, they'll be <laughs> like, man. Whenever I make changes, I just, I lose it. I can't tell what I changed or, like, oh, I lost it or, like... But I don't want this to be on the website yet. How can I make a... And then they they almost want to say the word branch, but they don't know, like... And then I said, oh, do you like <laughs> to like, branch? Oh, yeah, a branch. That's, like, yeah, like a tree, a branch. And then you realize, yeah, it's already there. Um, like, so I think you, you wait, you know... I mean, the Hacktoberfest is... A, is of a a forced event of like it's there's a deadline it's a month we're gonna get these prs so that's kind of like kind of pushing people along but yeah for other volunteer events i think you can just kind of let people move at their own pace and then let them discover uh like discover problems they run into and then offer solutions gradually
0: so i think that is a that is a somewhat unique um, use case you have of like teaching people, um, it, and I and I think that's a great approach for the people that you're dealing with. Um, so I dealt with like a classroom situation where I was like teaching people how to be software. Like people uh, came to this boot camp to become professional software developers. So it was like day like very shortly after they arrived, was like all right. You need to you need to give me your code, and the way you do that is through Git. Um, so it was somewhat more forced in that situation, where it wasn't like I can't let you discover that you need Git. Um, and similarly, in any type of like work situation, uh, you're not allowed to like discover that you need Git. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna let you know this an intern or whatever waste a, a week on, you know, losing their code and like, well, we all learned a valuable lesson at least. Um, but I, I I do agree that letting people discover some stuff for themselves is uh, a very valuable teaching tool.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, with the, with the example of, say, like the intern, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some minimum requirements you need them to follow to do the work in the company. But something like uh maybe the quality of like branch names commit messages things like that maybe initially you just kind of let them go whatever they want and then maybe as they start reviewing your code and they notice this is pretty easy to follow i know you know ross told me check out like the name of the feature oh it's right there and it's it's a clear story of ross developing the feature And then they'll be like, you know, maybe if I did that, that, that actually does make sense versus you telling them right away, these are the commit message standards, the branching name standards now. But in my experience, some people never get that, never pick that up. And like, you do just, you have to come up with some rules. What what do you think? What do you, both of you think?
0: You install a linter for commit Mm, messages that prevents the commit if it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: a little, a little pedantic. Um. (laughs) how do you get yeah that's a good question so one thing that I've been thinking about is uh when I when do I go back and look at this history you know get get provides you some information about commits and what's happened and that's valuable to go look at sometimes when you're trying to get some context context and uh, understand it um but i find myself lately and maybe it's just cuz we use GitHub, but eventually I'm more interested in the PR than the commits and their messages typically. Sometimes those are helpful, but it's made me think maybe they're not that important, the actual messages. Like they can be somewhat, you know, they kind of give you a general idea, but for really it for my for my purposes, I'm hoping the PR has the real meat and it has the description. It points back to um, you know, what we use to track stories with it has even a conversation between developers when they reviewed it. Um, so if I'm missing context, I think that's going to give me way more context than the commit messages. Now that is specifically GitHub. I know that, but I've been uh, I've been thinking about that a little bit lately.
0: Do you squash your PRs?
2: Uh, no. I don't think so.
0: No, that's a thing that they. They introduced an easy way to do it a couple years ago. And in fact, it was like the default. It, it seemed like, felt like it was the default for a little bit, but I've seen that back down a lot now. Um, I did run into a guy the other day, um, that I was working with and I was explaining how, uh, taking over a project and it was formerly, not using git flow and i was just like yeah we're just gonna do like a simplified git flow like they have these weird environments and stuff so i'm just kind of you know described basically a short like git git flow to him he's like oh so we got to do that like branching and merging thing and i was like whoa (laughs) but it but what was crazy was he was like oh yeah i just like rebase everything i'm like oh okay so you like understand the the You understand how it works, but you have decided to not, like, never have a merge commit. Like, that's, okay. Uh,
2: Um, Wait, is everything on master? And you rebase all your changes on master and then push master at some point?
0: uh, I'm not sure exactly what he um, was saying, but... um,
1: So it sounds like, in that case, the end result would be a linear stream of commits as if that's what actually happened. It would just be like this, 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 this. We never diverged. We never reverted. It's just we were perfect. Nobody knows any different.
0: Yeah, and I, that's not the first time I've run into that by someone who's, you know, uh, a sane person. Um, I don't necessarily think that that is a good idea, but it's not outside the realm of pos- of possibility. It, um i I prefer having the history especially uh, everything that um Jason was just talking about where it's really the pull request that matters. Um, I still like having the individual commits as well it's it's good um especially when you end up having um additional work um so I've been working in a situation where uh it's uh hosted. It's a hosted website. And so, like, you have to merge when anything is merged into the staging branch, it gets automatically deployed. And, like, that's how you have to deploy code. So, there are times where I merge code and it's like up for UAT and they check it and they're, and, you know, some more rework happens. I want to have all of my individual commits so that I can create a bug fix branch and merge it back in. Um, where a lot of that would be lost if if we were to squash all of the commits, let alone like if it was one continuous you know line. Um, I can see where I branched from and where I merged into, and and it's very clear what the what happened for uh, on this commit. And I, I um,
2: along that point, <coughs> without the the squashing, um, I think it's helpful with the most editors now, or a lot of editors will display. The commit message like the, the commit will give you kind of like a little blame thing, right? who did it, and the commit message right in line with the code I mean I even use it in Emacs, um, so it should be widely available to people, um, but that's super helpful you know when you're trying to track stuff down, you're right there in the editor, and then if you need to, you can you know find the PR via you know the commit or whatever and
0: yeah, I'm not sure what the big advantage is um. I don't know how often you're actually looking at your history where you know having individual commits is, is really going to mess you up in any way. I don't know why you would want to lose information, I guess.
1: Where yeah, like I think where I am right now is I at least want every commit message to be to be readable, like have some sort of some semblance of meaning. If I'm scrolling through the history and just see like oops, whoops, Try again. Oh no, this sucks. That that I mean that tells me you d- do not see any value in this process, uh, and I don't know why you hit commit at all if you don't think there's this valuable. Maybe just keep it on your own and then just drop it in when you're all done. Um, and I also don't think when I see that in somebody's history. Kind of assume they probably not worked with other people a lot or in like large teams or ever had to deploy to production several times a day and ever needed to you know revert things or hot fix production all sorts of stuff like that, so I at least want commits that tell me what you're doing um what do you think is that like a is that a is that too much or should we should we demand more than that
2: I'm- I'm imagining the the uh, exploding brain, like, meme, where, like, oh, I can use this to, like, stage small changes or invert them, you know, and that's maybe where people are at, and that's where you get the messages, like, oops, you know, whatever. And then you're moving up the chain here, right, where <laughs> you're like, oh, now I can uh, I can actually explain what I did via commit messages and have, you know, commits that make sense and that are logical and... Uh, I don't know. You guys can tell me where enlightenment is, both get <laughs> and commit messages. <laughs> I think it kind of, I would say,
1: I mean, like non joking, I think enlightenment is where you no longer notice it. So, kind of if you're reading, say, like you're reading a really well written article, you don't tend to notice the parts of grammar. You don't tend to notice when paragraphs start. You don't notice like punctuation. You just kind of, you just get the content. You understand what they're saying. I think that is the goal of both commit messages, branch names, PR descriptions. The whole thing is it should just, it should feel natural and it should be informative, but not noisy. Um, You know, you can, you can be, you can commit too much and commits don't have value. It should just kind of like your eyes should just sort of like gloss over it, but, also, understand like get what they read, if that makes sense.
2: It's it's more about the fact that you don't. There's nothing jarring in there. Like you're saying, like a oops is jarring. If you're if you saw that, your eyes would be brought to it, <clears throat> and you'd be why why does it say oops here? Whereas opposed to if you had a nice commit message, right.
1: And I'm also then going to look at that commit and be like, okay, what happened? And then if it's just like just random jar, like a just a random code, it's like okay, well that this wasted my time essentially if it was like if i read add failing test you know you know implement feature b and then this that that i don't really have to dig into each of those commits if they if the flow seems natural and the progression of the code makes sense
2: it's kind of like um if you have method names that make sense you don't have to go look at the method
1: and that's why like why i don't understand why you know, like some people, it, it seems like the, the commit messaging and the, the descriptions uh, and even like uh, opening a bug and bug descriptions and story descriptions and all that. Why that is difficult for some people when they did that same person agrees that having good code, like having readable code is important. It seems like natural that that would extend to the all of the other metadata that describes how that code came to be. So like, what would you say are the, I mean, so there's like a base set of commands that you were required to know to do software development, Uh, you know, push, pull, commit, things like that. But on top of that, what would you say are the like minimum advanced skills you would expect your say teammates to have? And if they didn't have them, you would teach them and expect them to use
0: yeah, I think this part is interesting because this is I think what um a lot of people are actually going to run into is you know get, somebody else knows get, but you you do know something they don't. Um, and and it's maybe a little bit more of an advanced topic. and how do you teach them that? So something like rebase, um you know interactive, interactive rebase, I would want someone to, well, so there's interactive rebase and then there's just like rebasing onto master or something. Um, and, and I, I would want somebody to understand, um, at least, at least rebase onto master, I think is good because it can, uh, anytime that you have branches that merge into themselves, I think that is a mistake. I, I do think that any individual branch should be, uh, pull with rebase. Um, know i can i can share my dot files um on how how i think all of that stuff should work those will be in the Uh, show notes Those will be in the show notes that will definitely exist um but yeah you can pull with rebase and you can even auto stash that's a that's a, a reference something i learned very recently that's super helpful so there's really no reason not to pull with rebase in my opinion um so I want somebody to be able to pull with rebase slash rebase your branch onto master. Um, and those are, I think that gets at the underlying, like understanding of how Git works. Um, I know this was a thing I actually had to teach, um, uh, a designer that I was working with, um, at a company, um, where they, everybody rebased all the time. Um, designers were were writing code, they were writing iOS code, and they were rebasing every single time. There was like no merging um because the lead developer had read a blog post It was literally his response to me when I asked him about it um, but i had I like did the whole like drawing on the whiteboard and showing the commits and everything and uh yeah, this person who had been doing this for months. had had zero understanding of how it actually was working and the software showed they were running into troubles with, you know, losing work and stuff. So that is definitely one. Um, if you're going to be using a command, man, I think you got to understand it. I don't think you need to understand every command, but if you're going to be using one and I think rebase should be one of them, you should understand it.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, That's one thing I've, I've learned teaching people Git more like intermediate Git skills is I'll ask them, okay, before you hit enter, what do you think is going to happen? Like, what do you, th-? And, and once they get to the point where they like, and that's actually kind of how I think I taught myself Git is like, I was like, all right, I think I know what's going to happen if I do this. And then I was wrong. And then I read up what the command did. But then eventually, like at this point, like I, I now know what the commands I'm going to type are going to do. And it's it, it builds confidence, you know, knowing what, what the tools are for.
2: There are no good tools, I feel like. I've used a lot of different, like, clients, command. Like, I always use a mix of stuff now. I use the command line Sometimes that's faster. Other times I want something more visual. Sometimes I use um, stuff right within my editor. Sometimes I don't. I've used external tool like diff tools. Um, I haven't really found, like, one thing. I like for like everything all the time, which is, uh, I I don't know, maybe it's just a hard thing to do. Like we were talking about Git and its interface and its usage, you know, earlier, it's just hard.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I use, I use GitHub desktop 90% of the time, the command line 9% of the time. And I edit files on GitHub 1% of the time.
0: I have been using Sublime Merge, um, which is a new tool um, from the folks that made Sublime. Um, That's been pretty good. It's it's for for staging and stuff like that. I don't I don't like committing. uh, I don't like hitting buttons that do stuff that I don't fully understand. Um, You know that like GitHub Desktop has a button that says Sync. And I, I don't know what that's going to do, yeah. so I don't want... So they to don't have it, but, that anymore. Um, uh, okay, it's good. It's
1: called something else equally mysterious. <laughs> but again, like, I don't think I could have... The, the, the people that I've gotten to make PRs this month could not have done it without GitHub Desktop. So we need something like that. You know, if I had to have them... Like, even I realized, like, when I said, like, well, we're going to install Git, I was like, wait, I don't even know how to tell them how to install Git. Like, <laughs> I mean, because to do that, you have to tell them how to install Homebrew, which means you have to tell them how to run a shell command that you copy off of a website. We kind of need something, like, like yeah, it should be better, and I think we should try to make something like GitHub Desktop better, but we kind of need that if we want... More people to get into software development, which we do.
0: So, Jace, you were, you mentioned you, you you did a lot of talking about amending a commit. Um, you think that like amending and force pushing, you think that's um like up there as a intermediate skill that that people should have?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I certainly am doing it. Every branch I've ever made, I amended a commit. Now you wouldn't know it, uh, but that's the point. Um, you know fixing a typo like to have an extra commit that's like fix typo or fix you know you know, I, like I am running code formatters and linters and all that stuff in real time but sometimes I'm rushing or like the, the cycle that my linter's running on like it didn't lint and run tests or a test failed and I didn't notice it being able to clean that up it's just about cleaning up the history I think that's Super valuable. Uh, and it's, it's, it's only one, like it's one command. It's, it's not like interactive rebase where it drops you into like this new screen where you have to learn some new syntax and subcommands. It's, it's very, I think it's fairly easy to grok. It's really just like an edit. You're editing something. It's unfortunate that that requires new terms like amend and then force push. It would be kinda nice if, you know, this would be a nice abstraction for a tool is just call that an edit or something like that. But yeah, I think I think that's the first thing I would teach somebody after the basics needed to make a PR. But I'll echo what you said. They better understand what they're doing what that means. They have to understand that what they are doing is altering history. So if they're trying to collaborate with somebody else in that branch, know that they need to let that person know their are Along story. those same
2: lines, teaching them, uh, just reset soft, reset hard, you know, certain number of commits or back to a commit. That's super valuable when you want to reshape history, just understanding, understanding the way to reshape history and force push and the consequences. Also, like Jason was saying, when you work with other team members, uh, Super, super important
0: one thing is like pull just just type git pull, don't type a branch name um like that does different things depending on like if you're on the branch and 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 a bunch of the just pull just pull all the branches and uh fast forward your branches individually um, and then when you are doing stuff like resetting or rebasing, you usually want to do that against the origin um so if if you want to get rid of the code that's on your computer, like this is how I describe it to other people. If you want to get rid of the code that's on your computer and just get the code that's in the repository, then you type git pull and you reset dash dash hard origin slash master or whatever um if you think you might want to keep some of the code that you have um then you can create a new branch and it's a backup branch and go ahead and name it backup or whatever. Um, But that is definitely a common one is like you're in a weird Git state and can't explain why just reset, reset hard to master, just get all the way back to the code that's on. Um, And again, origin slash master so that you're getting that, that code from the um, from whatever's what's out there on GitHub. One thing, one other thing, I I see people do um, all the time is write their own merge messages. Um, if if you're gonna merge something, uh, you know, if you're merging something in, Git is gonna provide you a commit message. Um, so you just need to close that window when it pops up to give you <laughs> that. Um, you can also, uh, when you commit it, you can uh, dash dash no edit.
1: Git is. It's kind of like a foreign language. But you're you're communicating with a hostile tourist. It and I think that I think the best way to learn those kinds of like the tricks is you know, we've said this before, like pair with somebody, just watch somebody else work, see what they're doing, ask them questions, have them watch you work, have them question what you're doing, and you know, reach some consensus on the best the best way to use these tools.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to our thoughts here on The New Best Practices. We are on the internet at thenewbestpractices.com. You can find our contact information there. We're on Twitter and whatnot. Feel free to yell at us. If you enjoy this program, please leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice and tell your friends. We are currently, very slowly, working on the next season. And any feedback is greatly appreciated. Thanks again. We look forward to next time.